it will be here three hours. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll but yeah, looking on, at me might be helpful. I'll ramble on forever. Yeah, look at Lisa. You'll hear this story and you'll also be gaining knowledge when you listen to it on how to do these things. I realized that like my concern was really just what people were going to think of my decision and oh my god she's crazy what is she doing she's not you know she's supposed to be pursuing a career this is when she's supposed to be finding a job and I that doesn't appeal to me that yeah. never appealed to me. Play a major role in spreading the love and the joy and uh, reducing our imprint you know for for future generations and for all that we share this planet with. I was just embarrassed. I felt like I couldn't do it, like I had already failed. I had no idea what I was doing. What did I get myself into? What was I thinking? Our history of humanity really revolves around great people. And that's, that's all we know about. And why is that? It's because the insignificant people weren't important enough that somebody would take the time to document their life. Hello everyone and welcome to the podcast. My name is Kaylin Otto and you're listening to We'll Work for Food. So if you have listened to this before, thanks for listening again. Yay! Um, if you're new, welcome to the podcast. I'm really excited to share this interview today. Um, this comes actually from a video interview that I did in January when I went to Puerto Rico to help out with some disaster relief for animals and we did some stuff for humans with a really amazing um, vegan organization and we met amazing people there and while we were down there we met this man named Glenn who feeds over 300 cats every night and he's been doing this for 13 years. So, my friend and I who were down there are like, it would be amazing to tell this story, possibly get some more press. We were trying to find a cat food place that would just donate um, bags of food to him because he's spending so much money out of pocket and he runs out quite often, it seems, and then, you know, has to scramble online for donations because that's a lot of work, that's a lot of mouths to feed, and I feel like he deserves so much support. So we made a video interview of him. We did a night run with him because he does this all at night. And the video is up to 9,400 views. So that's really exciting. But the thing is, is that a lot of people, you know, they just watch and kind of forget about it. So if you are passionate about cats and animal rescue and you're looking for someone to support in that field, he is your man. Please donate if you can. If you can't, um, no worries. Just share this story and maybe share with a friend who can donate. So we'll get into the interview, but I just wanted to let you know that I will put the links to his full video interview and where you can donate in the bio of this podcast. So no matter what you're listening to it on, whether it be um, iTunes or Spotify, these links should be in the bio. And just a quick little update. This podcast used to be under my Wonder Woman blog and I've now changed the name to Unruly Travel for different reasons but I feel like I definitely needed a brand new fresh start and feel on my blog so hence the new intro song to the podcast and if you go to unrulytravel.com I revamped my whole entire website I love how it looks so head over there and check that out anyway let's get into the podcast episode 
Well, um, my name is Glenn Venicio. Um, we are here in a beautiful little house in, in a section of San Juan, Puerto Rico called Caparra Heights. This is the home of a wonderful grassroots organization called Casa Vegana um, that does wonderful work uh, feeding vegan food to homeless and other disadvantaged people here on the island. Um, I had the privilege of coming here today and I'm going to talk a little bit about the work that I've been doing here in, also in San Juan, Puerto Rico for the past a little more than 13 years. Um, I am originally from uh, New Jersey and New York City. I moved to Puerto Rico permanently um, in the summertime of 2006. Um, shortly after I arrived here, by about very early 2007, I had already realized that there's a huge, um, we'll call it an issue. I don't use the word problem as many people here might call it. it I would say a huge animal issue on the island. There are literally hundreds of thousands of stray and abandoned dogs and cats and also horses and even other animals, rabbits, um, iguanas, uh, people abandon their, even their pet iguanas. Um, anyway, very early on in my time here, I, I saw the animal situation in the street and it broke my heart and I felt compelled to do what I can. And I just started out just simply feeding a bunch of cats in my own area because I saw that they're literally, you know, starving in the street, very desperate for food, some of them desperate for affection. Uh, many of them maybe had homes at some point in their life. Um, and little by little, I, you know, I expanded what I was doing. I tried to begin bringing as many cats as I could afford to be uh, operated on to, to spay and neuter them. And I also increased the area where I was uh, working in. Literally, there is almost nowhere I can go, at least in the entire city of San Juan, where you're not going to spot a cat or a dog somewhere on any given block. Um, my area especially has a, a huge amount of abandoned and stray cats and there's a lot of dogs too but my immediate area is mostly cats because probably you know dogs they dogs in the street they tend to move around in a much larger area the cat, cat since cats are very territorial beings they they usually stay in one very small territory um, so anyway, I, I began doing a, a feeding route and over a couple of years, my route expanded and expanded. People would tell me, oh, you're, you're taking care of the cats. There's so many on that street. Go see over there. Those cats are very desperate. And I kept expanding and expanding. I'm basically a one-man show. At this point, I'm taking care of about maybe just a little bit under 300 cats. 
I have not missed one single day or night. I used to do it kind of in the daytime, but now it's basically all night long. I have not missed one single night of going to the camps in about 13 years, more or less. Um, it's a very difficult life for me. I experience a lot of pain and and worry about the cats. People do a lot of cruelty to them. Um, <clears throat> there are very few solutions for the cats here. It's very hard to find a good adoptive home. There, There's very little demand to adopt a cat in Puerto Rico. Culturally, people are not very, they're not big lovers of cats here um, in general. Um, there's a lot of cruelty perpetrated upon the animals in the street here um, for, for a multitude of reasons. Um, I also uh, spend a lot of time helping the Puerto Rico Policia Estatal, which is the Puerto Rico State Police, with many, many cruelty cases, um, not only in my area, but in, in other parts of the island I have assisted quite a few cases. Um, my feeding route is all night long. I'm in the street from about 11.30 at night until almost seven o'clock in the morning. And it's a very long night of, of a very complicated route. It's over a 20 to, 20 to 30 block radius, a very large area I cover. And um, I go to each stop on my route. I feed the cats um, dry food and wet food because many of them are very dehydrated in the street. So at least they get some hydration and moisture from the, the wet food. Um, and I also provide water in, in you know, fresh water in, in water bowls that I either leave in places permanently or if it's somewhere where I cannot leave a water bowl, I will put a, a foam bowl on the ground and later in the night I will go and retrieve the, the bowl. Um, honestly, I've spent 13 years being harassed by many people. I have been threatened many times. I have been physically assaulted many times by people that don't like the cats. Um, Obviously, I'm not the reason why the cats are there. Um, people in my area, older people who have grown up in my area and have lived there their whole lives, people in their 70s and 80s have told me that that area, as well as many areas in San Juan and the rest of the island, have been full of cats and dogs for many, many years. Um, an 80-year-old woman told me that since she was a child in that area, there have always been hundreds. Of the cost to do this, the, besides the sterilizations that I can afford to do as I can, um, the feeding costs alone are, at this point, almost $200 a day. Um, I use about six large bags of dry food a day 
and about 100 large size uh, cans of food. Physically, it's, it's a huge burden on me too. I mean, I honestly, I haven't had a, a free night at all in 13 years. Um, and that, you know, it is what it is. It's what I've chosen to do. And I, I the only night I think I, I miss going to the Cats ever was the one single night when Hurricane Maria hit Puerto Rico. And even, even that day, I, I mean, obviously I couldn't be, the, the, the whole hurricane basically hit in the middle of the night. So there's no way I could have done my route at the normal time. But just before the hurricane hit and just after I was in the streets, I, I had tried to feed as many cats as I could, like maybe at 6 p.m. that night because I knew that the hurricane would be hitting and I was praying that the cats would be okay. There are many abandoned buildings in the area where most of the cats uh, can hide, and they did. And I believe as far as I could tell at the time that basically almost 100% of the cats in my area survived the hurricane. I don't think I had anyone missing as far as I could tell. Um, so, you know, thank God they were able to imagine that they survived a, a category, between a category four and a category five hurricane in the street. Um, so yeah, that was basically the only night that I missed being in the street all night long. It's very difficult for me. I have, I, I am constantly harassed by people. I am threatened. Um, I've been physically assaulted uh, quite a few times, unfortunately. Um, I, and you know, and still, even in spite of all of this, I, I remember one time a guy was arguing with me about the cats, and he, he ran out of his car and and punched me. And I had to go to the emergency room to, to just get checked. Um, and it was maybe 12 noon by the time I got out of the emergency room. And I was so worried that I had missed about half of the cats on my route. And I went home and uh, changed my clothes and took a shower. And I went back into the street at 12 noon to finish the the last half of the cats that, that had not eaten that night. Um, so obviously I'm very worried about the animals. I, I, it's very painful for me really after so many years um, to see the, the animals in the street. And I mean, many of them, their lives are, I really can't say their lives are horrible. I mean, they're very well fed by me and maybe by a few other people who might feed a few of them here and there. Um, they're very well fed, they have water, and they have many other beings of their own kind to interact with in the street. I mean, at the same time, obviously, you know, they're exposed to a lot of risk. They, they can get hit by cars people can do things to hurt them. But I mean, many of them have, 
I have a few cats that have survived almost the entire time I've been doing this. So I have a few that are that are still living in the street and, and they're they're quite old already and they're doing okay. Um, but regardless, you know, eh, the options here for the cats are very limited. Um, many of them are not socialized to people. It's very hard to find even one adoptive home for one cat here so imagine trying to do it for so many the situation here for those that don't know much about the animal situation in puerto rico it's very stunningly different from the situation in the 50 united states there are we've never done a, a full census but i i believe the estimates would be that there's at least a few hundred thousand dogs and cats in the streets of the whole island. I think uh, uh, size-wise that Puerto Rico is roughly the same size as the state of Connecticut, so that gives you some idea. Um, there's almost nowhere that I can go in the entire city of San Juan that you're not going to see cats or some dogs in the street. Um, can you describe your day also, like what your normal day looks like? A normal day for me um, would be I have to sleep in the, the late afternoon through the evening. Um, I'm pretty much sleep deprived. I don't sleep a lot. Many times when I, when I am sleeping, I have nightmares about the cats. I have nightmares about people maybe trying to hurt the cats or nightmares about people trying to hurt me when I'm with the cats. So, you know, there's a lot of a lot of psychological stuff that I have to deal with from doing this as well. It's not an easy thing. People picture, okay, he feeds a bunch of cats. They picture maybe 20 minutes tops. They picture maybe I'm walking around with a big bag of dry food and just going from place to place with, you know, little handfuls here and there. But I mean, it's it's nothing like that. Just to physically get to all of the cats with all of the supplies and, and you know, you can imagine to, to give 300 cats water, I have to fill, I have to fill about 60 two liter, I use two liter bottles. I have to fill about 60 of those every day. So just to just to refill the water bottles every day, I stand at a utility sink in my apartment and it can take almost one hour sometimes to fill the water bottles. So it's a huge, and imagine how heavy are all of those bottles every night. And you know, it, it's just a huge task and I'm really doing it almost completely on my own. I have a, a friend or two that, 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 that drive me from stop to stop so I can just jump out of the car and go to the cats and get back in the car and go to the next stop. But the actual physical labor is, is really all me. Um, and then too, you know, I try to give as much uh, attention and affection to as, as many of the cats that, that permit it um, and, you know, in a short amount of time, because I don't have a lot of time, I have to get to so many cats every night. 
but I do try to give a little bit of love and quality time to as many as I can. Um, so yeah, it's it's a strange life, really. It's an unusual life because it's it's almost it's almost a, a night and day commitment to the cats and to what I'm doing for so many years. Um, Honestly, I'm very tired, you know, physically, I'm very stressed out mentally, but I continue because, you know, I just know that the cats are waiting for me every day. They really, they depend on me and what I bring to them. Um, what, what would be most helpful? Like, would it be donations? Would it be volunteers? What would be most helpful for you? I could certainly use volunteers, but so far i haven't been that lucky to attract so many people that are willing to help on such a, a huge task every night but i mean barring that the biggest help for me is donations um of either cash to to purchase the food and cash to, to put toward any future appointments for sterilizations um, if anyone needs uh, proof of where their donation went, I can happily provide all of their receipts to to anyone who donates. Or if people prefer, I happily accept um, uh, gift cards. I, I buy the food from from usually from PetSmart and Walmart. Walmart in Puerto Rico, Walmart has the cheapest um, price for the. The canned cat food and PetSmart is the cheapest supplier locally of the dry food for the most part. So I, I very happily accept um, gift cards for PetSmart. Um, there have been many articles written about my work. There are many videos, including this one, showing what I do um, so anybody can, can get a good look at a lot of my work over the years by just um, you know going on YouTube and, and, and searching my name and, and getting a, a good overview of all of the the work and other animal related projects that I've been involved in here um, I have done quite a bit of, of animal activism here on the island as well since I first came here I had organized um, a campaign fighting against um, the city of San Juan had uh, maybe in maybe in 2012 I believe it was they had proposed um, importing captured dolphins to the island to construct a, a dolphinarium and uh, I organized a campaign to, to fight against that project. We brought uh, Rick O'Barry, the, the famous dolphin activist, to Puerto Rico to, to give a, a, a speech at a showing of his film, The Cove. Um, I also helped mount a campaign against the, there was a company called Bioculture that was going to import um, hundreds of thousands of macaque monkeys to Puerto Rico from Mauritius and they were going to breed them here 
and then sell them to biomedical facilities in the 50 states. So I, I played a, a large role in organizing, in, in beginning to organize a campaign against that, that proposed monkey farm. And then many others joined in that campaign and ultimately some large animal organizations from the United States uh, contributed to help fight that battle. And ultimately, the, the local Puerto Rico court invalidated all of the permits of that company because the permits were granted illegally. Many of the permits were granted in one single day, which is against the law. Um, so yeah, those are some of the various activist efforts I've been involved in. Are you vegan as well? Years. Yes. Um, I slip sometimes. I could say that I'm veganish. Um, I'm not perfect with it. It's my goal, um, but I'm certainly veganish. Puerto Rico it has been has been very difficult for me. When I first came here, I knew there were animals all over the streets, but I never I never imagined that, that I would step into this role that that I've done for all of these years. I did not imagine that this would be my life here. Um, but you know, for better or worse, it, it's what I've been doing here for all of these years. And um, even though, again, as I said, even though it's very difficult for me, I have a lot of emotional stress and a lot of emotional pain over the animals. And, you know, the, the daily grind of what I'm doing is wouldn't be easy for anyone. But in spite of all this, uh, deep down, I'm very proud that I'm doing the best I can to help animals that have really almost no options. Um, and um, I'm glad that I'm here. I, ahead I, I, I of a, a um, let me say it. It's funny that the, the head of, a, of one national animal rights organization once wrote to me and she told me, um, she, said, she said, it's good to be in a place where people are not so kind to animals. She said that it, if you were somewhere where people were very kind to animals, it would be a waste of your talents. And I... I understood what she meant, but I remember, you know, almost laughing sarcastically for a second. I said, wow, she has me doomed to, to doing what I do forever. Anyway, uh, I will continue for as long as I can doing what I do. Um, thank you so much for, for wanting to learn about what I do, and thank you so much for, for helping me. I, I'm very grateful for all who want to help Make the world a better place by leaving things better than I found it. You know, whether it be people or the planet or, you know, all kinds of things. Isn't there a quote that says, feel fear and do it anyways? Yeah. 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 So I think for us in significance, we have to do it ourselves. people are doing things in their life they're not 
completely happy with mm-hmm. and they're doing it just because you know it's a norm and they feel like they feel pressured by society definitely or they're just you know stuck in this rut mm-hmm. and you know ruts can be comfortable for people and they can be very comfortable comfort is not how you how you grow as a person <laughs>